but we're going to look this morning at Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6 this morning. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 9. Exodus chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. It says, But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of the land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, as to God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land to which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt. I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you as with an outstretched arm with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall be and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel. But they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing your people together this morning. Thank you for giving us a word that has been held for us, protected for us, delivered to us, inspired by your Spirit, and now is animated by that very same Spirit in the preaching and the hearing of your word. Lord, we ask for you to grow us, build us in every way possible. We pray this in your name. Amen. I love baseball. I don't know if you knew that or not, but I love baseball because baseball's got some great stories in baseball. Baseball's got some great heroes, and one of the great heroes of baseball is Jackie Robinson. In fact, Jackie Robinson isn't just a great baseball hero. He is a great American hero. Uh, he is a hero because in 1947, by playing for the Brooklyn Dodgers, he broke the color barrier for the first time in all of major sports. And in fact, that's such a big deal that every year on April the 15th, every major league team stops and celebrates and recognizes the influence and the contribution that, that Jackie Robinson provided to all of baseball and really to all of America and doing what he was doing. And it's celebrated every single year. Now the truth is, it wasn't celebrated while it was happening. In fact, while it was happening, it was a, a completely uphill struggle uh, for Jackie as he went through that process. The Brooklyn Dodgers moved their spring training site to Havana, Cuba, because they didn't want to have the extra weight and pressure of the racism that Jackie would have faced in my home state of Florida where they normally had spring training. And as Jackie uh, was there for spring training, his teammates, led by a guy named Dixie Walker, passed around a petition that said, we refuse to play 
with Jackie Robinson. Well, we refuse to play with any person of color. And if he plays, none of us play. And they put their name on that document, handed it to the team president, Branch Rickey. And Branch Rickey said, well, there's the door if you want to take it. When Jackie suited up for that first time on April 15th, 1947, he broke that color barrier against the opposition, racism, taunts, vitriol, abuse that came raining out of those stands. Now, I think what's important to recognize is that Jackie didn't just break the color barrier one time, but Jackie broke the color barrier every time he traveled to a new city. Every time the Brooklyn Dodgers appeared in a new city, it was an entirely new crowd that heaped and poured abuse upon him, not just from the stands, but also from the dugouts of the opposing teams. It wasn't just every city. But it was every single day as a new crowd appeared in those stands. The intensity of that abuse increased and increased throughout the season. There's a story that's one of my favorite baseball stories. It was early in the season. The Dodgers were playing in Cincinnati. And just like every other time as the players went out and took their field and did their warm-ups there in the infield and the outfield and they tossed the ball around, in comes the abuse from the dugouts, from the stands, time and time again. Just like it had every time. But on that day, the Dodgers captain, Pee Wee Reese, stops what he's doing from his shortstop position walks over to Jackie Robinson at his second base position and puts his arm around Jackie and just stands there with Jackie. You see, without saying a word, Pee Wee sent a message to those stands. He's not alone in this. Without a word, Pee Wee sent a message to Jackie and said, you're not alone in this. I wonder if you could reflect on one of the most difficult seasons that you've walked in your life. One of those really hard places where it felt like the world was crushing down upon you. Got it? You have a moment in your mind? What difference would it make if a person of power, a person of influence, went and stood next to you and put their arm around you and said, you are not alone in this. There's a high likelihood that there's a huge hunger inside of your soul because no one did that. And you thought, boy, if somebody would have put their arm around me in that season, in that hard moment that I was walking through, if somebody would have just come up and put their arm around me and said, you are not alone. I am here with you. Oh, the difference, the oxygen, the life that would have brought into your life. That brings us to Exodus. That brings us to the people of Israel. They are in a season in which they are under 400 years of bondage. That they are slaves in the nation of Israel. And that slavery has come to the place where it's not just that they're not free to come and go, but they are being used as slave laborers. They are being forced to work to the very limits of who they are. And they know this is not our home. 
There have been promises that are given to us. We want to go back to where we're from. We want to leave. When will God hear us? And what we discover is that God speaks very clearly to his people and says, you are not alone. Because what we discover is that God hears us. I want you to look at this in Exodus. Just flip back a page or two. Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 to 25. It says, during those days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel and God knew. I want you to know that whatever it is that you're walking through right now, whatever difficulty that you are in the middle of right now, I want you to know that God is there. I want you to know that God hears you. I want you to know that you are not alone. What a great song that we sang this morning. My Lord is with me all the time. The Lord is near all the time. What a great song to go with this passage because that is the message. In the middle of the bondage, in the middle of the hardship, God says, let me put my arm around you. I hear you and I know what you walk through. But I want you to know Secondly, that God doesn't just hear us, but he acts for us. God acts for us. He has heard, and he is ready to act. In fact, let's take a look at Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. This is when God appears to Moses. You see, the verses we looked at just before were just before Moses in the burning bush. This is the conversation that God has with Moses. Verses 7 and 8, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. Almost the exact same thing that he says in chapter 2. But listen, there's one more statement here. Are you ready for this? I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. You see, at the end of chapter 2, he says, I hear and I know. But in chapter 3, he says, and I have come to act. I have come to do something about this. Now, we don't always understand, appreciate, value, agree with God's timing. Sometimes the things that we are groaning for, some of the things that we are aching over, some of the things that we are feeling, we're saying, God, would you fix this now? And it doesn't happen always in our timing. Take a look at Moses Moses, you know the story. He, he is born there in Israel, the, or born there in Egypt. The, the command is, is that he is to be thrown into the river because that's part of the abuse. They, they wanted to limit the number of Israelites in Egypt. He, he gets placed into the river in the basket. He is found by Pharaoh's daughter. He is rescued from a death penalty, and he, he is raised in Pharaoh's palace. As he grows to become a man, he begins to understand his own roots, and he begins to determine, I'm going to do something about rescuing my people. And when he sees two 
when he sees when he sees an Egyptian abusing an Israelite, he stands up and he does something about it. In fact, he kills the Egyptian. Now, we can't know everything that's inside of his mind, but, but I think that is Moses saying, listen, I'm going to stand up for my people, and I'm going to make a difference here. The next day, two Israelites are arguing. Moses tries to intervene in that place, and they say, oh, are you going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Now, listen, that's a conversation that will ruin your day. When you think the, what is a secret no one knows is the talk of the town. And so Moses flees. He runs away from everything. He runs away from his dream, his vision. He runs away from this idea that he had in his head that maybe God could use him to rescue his people. And for 40 years, he wanders in the wilderness. And then God speaks to him in that bush. You see, Moses thought it was done. Moses thought it was over. Moses thought he had missed his chance. But God says, I'm, I'm just getting started. I'm just beginning to do what it is that I'm doing. In fact, if you still have your Bible open to Exodus chapter 3, I, I just want you to look at the pages. To the left of your Bible is just creation. The flood, that's what God's done. And then take a look at what's left in the right of your Bible, how much more God is just beginning to do. Keep in mind that the Apostle John says that if everything that Jesus had done had been recorded into a book, that all the books of the world could not contain what he did. Imagine all the things that God has done, that all the things that God has done since the end of Scripture. And then keep in mind that God holds in his hands all of eternity to come. Oh, God is ready to act for us, and he is just beginning to do the things that he is going to do. Oh, Moses, God is just getting started. Oh, friend, God is just getting started. Now, to be honest... The start didn't go great. If you know Exodus chapter 3 and 4, God calls Moses. Moses said, no, not me. I can't do it and all, and all this stuff. And, and Moses finally agrees to do that. And, and so as soon as they get back to Egypt, Moses and his brother Aaron walk into the presence of Pharaoh. And Moses probably had some three-by-five cards well, at least three by five tablets, stone tablets that he carried with him, the things that, that he was going to say, the, the, the speech that he had worked out. And he says to Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh says, what? You, what? What? Pharaoh is so angry that he sends out a command that all of the slave labor, that the Israelites we're doing should continue just as it was before. Well, that didn't help at all, did it? But Pharaoh says, oh, we've been supplying to the Israelites all of the ingredients that they need for their work. We're not supplying it anymore. They have to produce the same number of bricks that they were producing before, but we're not bringing 
the straw to them. They got to go find their own straw and then continue to do that. Boy, I was an utter failure. Not only was it an utter failure for Moses and for the speech that he had written and for his commands and his demands that he had made, the people weren't so happy. Moses, this is some kind of favor that you've done for us. All you've done is made Pharaoh angry, and all you've done is made our lives more difficult. And they are angry, and they are upset. And Moses finishes chapter 5 saying, God, are you, what, what am I doing? I told you I was not the right person for this job. But I want you to hear that God reassures us. I want you to hear that God reassures us. This is where I really want us to get to this morning. Because what I want you to hear is that God says in Exodus chapter 6, Come here, let me tell you who I am and what I'm going to do. And he begins by saying, I'm the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac, I'm, I'm the God of Jacob. He says, not only that, I didn't reveal to them my divine name, the I am that I am, that I gave to you. And so this new thing that I'm doing is connected to the old thing that I'm doing. And let me tell you about the next thing that I'm going to do. And listen to these promises in Exodus 6. Listen to what God says. There's a sense that I would like to make this my alarm when I wake up every morning. That I would love these words to play over my day as I stumble out of bed and go brush my teeth every morning. He says here in verse 3, he says, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name I did not make myself known to them. Listen to verse 4. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land which they were sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groanings of my people Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves. I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt. I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. Hear those promises. I will bring you out. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. I will take you to be my people. I will be your God. You shall know me. I will bring you into the land and I will give you the land as I promised to you. You see, we have a God who hears us. We have a God who acts on our behalf. We have a God who reassures us. And we still miss it. Did you notice verse 9? Oh, this great list of promises, these great affirmations, these great reassurances, this incredible statement that God says, I got you. And then in verse 9 it says, Moses spoke to the people of Israel. But they did not listen to Moses. 
Now, here's the thing. I was just reading this in my own devotions just a few weeks ago. And I was just kind of walking through this passage of Scripture. And I was so excited about all of those promises. It just really just lit me up inside. And then I got to the beginning of verse 9. It says, and the people did not listen. And I was so deflated. Now, now here's what happened. I'm kind of reading ahead in my own mind. And it says, and the people of God did not listen. And here's what I expect it to say. The people of God did not listen because of the hardness of their hearts. The people of God did not listen because of their disobedience. The people of God did not listen because of their rebellion. That's what it's going to say next, right? But it's not what it says next. What it says next is that they did not listen because of their broken spirit and the harshness of their slavery. Oh my goodness, the people were so exhausted by their circumstances and the abuse and the hardship that they were living under so that they could hardly even breathe. They were so exhausted that they could not hear the voice of God. And I thought about them, and I began to imagine what that broken spirit and the harshness of their circumstances felt like. And then I thought about us. I thought about us, and it resonated inside of me. We are a people with broken spirits who are exhausted by the harshness of the circumstances that surround us. What is it that we are missing because of our broken spirit and the harsh circumstances that surround us? The word, the promises of God surround us But I'm telling you that I believe in this day we are living exhausted and broken-spirited so that we have a hard time even hearing the promises of God. In this summer heat, a constant warning that's before us is be careful you don't get dehydrated. Stay hydrated. Drink plenty of fluids. You want to stay dehydrated. Those of you that have sat in on safety meetings at your workplace, they always talk about the importance of staying hydrated in these kinds of times. And I remember the first safety meeting that I was in where they talked about the importance of hydration. They, they warned us because what happens is your, your mind starts to not function as well as it should. And so the greater your danger, the less you recognize your danger. And then the greater your danger, the more difficult it is to find the remedy for that dehydration until you get to such a place that they got to put you under a tent and they got to stick an IV in you so that you can be revitalized, so that you can be hydrated again because you are so exhausted. 
It is my belief that in 2020, we are in danger of our spirits becoming so dehydrated that we don't recognize our danger or our remedy. And I want you to know that it is my belief, it is my conviction that the promises of God are an IV for our soul. God says to you, I will bring you out, I will deliver you, I will redeem you, I will take you to be my people, I will be your God. You shall know that I am your God, I will bring you into the land and I will give it to you as a possession just as I promised. Oh, the word is full of promises for our life. But we can become so broken in spirit and so overwhelmed by the harshness of our circumstances that we begin to hear every other voice in the world except for the promises of God, which is the IV that our dehydrated souls and spirits need. You may not be in physical slavery, Although most of us find ourselves in some type of emotional or spiritual slavery in some part of our life. But I would tell you that the harshness of our circumstances have drained the life and faith from us. And that is not to say that you are a doubter and that you have walked away from your Christian faith. But I would say that because of the brokenness of our spirits and the harshness of our circumstances, I would ask you, can you really say that you move in the same faith that you once did? What we need is to be revitalized by the promises of God. That he says, I hear you. I act on your behalf. I will reassure you. I will be with you. You will be my people. I will give you the very things that I told you that I would give to you as a possession of your very own. So we're going to spend the next several months being revitalized by the promises of God. Those are the truths that we need to hear again. They will breathe life and nourishment into our brittle souls. And we need to come to the place where we hear the voice of God above and beyond every other voice that screams in this world today. What is the what now this morning? I would ask you, to engage in the Word of God. Listen for, look for those promises of God. I'm going to lead us through some of those. We're just going to scratch the surface on Sunday mornings. But will you listen for the promises of God? And then will you listen to the promises of God? Hear those words. Would you engage? Would you listen?
And then would you believe? Would you allow your spirit in a fresh way to go back to the old church phrase we use? God said it. <laughs> that settles it. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. That we embrace those promises. And so that our lives navigate by the promise and truth of God. Let me pray for you. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask for freshness in our souls and in our spirits. As we hear your truth, we hear your promises. We hear your call. Lord, we need it. Lord, we are in a season of broken spirits and harsh circumstances. Lord, I pray that we would engage with your word, that we would listen to your word, and that we would believe your word. We pray this in your name. Amen.